It is Wednesday. A hell of a sports day. Wow. This sports day has been amazing. I can't remember the last time a Wednesday has been this awesome. Just kind of boggles my mind on how great of a Wednesday this has been. We've seen just a little bit of everything today. We've seen some baseball. We've seen more baseball. We've seen the NBA Finals. We have seen pro wrestling. We have seen MMA. We have boxing news. There is a little bit of everything today, everybody, because it is Wednesday, September the 30th, 2020. I am Stephen Mielhausen, a writer for The Zone and SportingNews.com, the host of this awesome podcast, The Walkway to Fight Club. I have a special person joining me in a few minutes, so I am going to be looking forward to that fun. A lot going on. We will be talking the Wednesday Night Wars between AEW Dynamite and NXT. Who won the night? Which show was better? We will get into that. Also, we had an AEW title defense. A really good segment between the two guys headlining this Sunday's takeover. An interesting NXT. A pretty good AEW Dynamite. Two big boxing fights are about to be announced, and I think we're going to break those here. The latest in the drama between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. Also, Conor McGregor may have a fight. I said that out loud. Conor McGregor may be in the octagon. Sooner rather than later. We will have news on that in a few moments. But thank you for everyone. I don't want to give a big shout out to all the fans. Man, you guys have been. You guys have made this last couple days a whole hell of a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. We've had a lot of viewers, a lot of subscribers, and that means a lot. And thank you so much to everyone that has joined in. It means more than you will ever know. It feels like we're getting right on that right, that right wavelength of this show, this podcast, getting exactly to where I want it to be. And I can't thank you guys enough. It means a lot. It is greatly appreciated, more than you guys will ever comprehend, so thank you. And we do have a special guest. He will be coming on in, I think, in the next couple minutes here. Just kind of waiting for him to to pop on in. 
We're going to have some fun. But no, it's been a weird, it's been a weird couple days in the world of combat sports. I haven't seen you since Monday. And there's a lot that's happened. But the Wednesday Night Wars were, I think, quite interesting tonight. And, you know, you want to go in terms of what show was better. Was it NXT? Was it AEW Dynamite? Seen some good stuff on AEW tonight. A very shocking title match that actually ended up being better than it was a nice, hard-hitting affair. I didn't think it was going to be that good. Then ended up tickling my fancy. I thought Britt Baker looked fantastic in her return to the ring. We also had a very good talking segment, I thought, with Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor. I'm now looking forward to that match on Sunday. I already was to a point. But they really sold me on that tonight. Because I thought, you've seen a little bit of everything from Kyle O'Reilly. You saw the serious. You saw and you saw the funny. We already know how great Kyle O'Reilly is in the ring. But I thought he brought tonight to another level. And we'll get more into that segment in a minute. Adam Cole. Good that we hadn't seen Adam Cole in a few weeks, so it was good to see Adam Cole. I thought a good match with Darby Allen and Ricky Starks. And we saw an AEW tag team title match tonight. I just felt like AEW delivered more tonight. We saw some good title matches. And, you know, when it, you know, you can't just throw it to me. You can't throw a title match on the show just for shits and giggles of wanting to throw a title match on the table. They have to mean something. What's the story? Like, you go back to Raw. Oh, my God. There was no backstory to Drew McIntyre facing Robert Roode. And I'm shocked so many people thought, oh, man, I can't believe it was Robert Roode. The guy hadn't been around for six and a half months. No backstory of getting, he backed his way into a title match because Drew McIntyre laid out an open challenge. Yeah, the match was good. Match was very good. But that doesn't mean that, oh, my God, just because we see Robert Roode, we got to throw him a title match. That boggled my mind. And this that isn't a knock on Robert Roode. I like Robert Roode. But that doesn't mean he should get a title match. That means you should get a title match. I should get a title match. We all should be getting title matches. That's not how this works. But apparently in the world of WWE, that's how it worked. And it took me a little while to put this together. And I don't know if anyone was smart, and I really didn't see this on social media and don't want to really seem to catch on. 
WWE copied AEW because last week AEW promoted. They promoted right after. Right after Dynamite, like the day after last week. Hey, John Moxley is going to be making a world title defense. Eddie Kingston's going to pick the opponent. They took the open challenge concept. Actually, I take that back. The open challenge concept was already done. Moxley decided it was going to be a title defense. But they just, WWE didn't come up with that open challenge concept all by themselves. They copy way, 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 way too much. And it's blatantly obvious. I think we all can see that. As much as WWE will deny until the day turns purple. But we know at the end of the day, we know what happened. And that's unfortunate. And this has always been my mantra. If you're not stealing, you're not trying. And I have no problem if that happens. That's how this works. I don't care if it's in wrestling, basketball, journalism. I don't care. I, I, I've i done it. I think we've all done it. If you're not stealing, you're not trying. I learned that. I learned that mantra. Sorry about that. I learned that mantra a long time ago. If you're not stealing, you're not trying. And that's okay. I have no problem with you if you do that. Hey, to each his own. I know people have stolen stuff from this podcast. I'm cool with that. Hey, make it your own. Humor me a little bit. But if I'm going to look and I'm going to determine which show was better, if I really had to think about it, I think I'm going, and this isn't because I'm an AEW show, but I'm going with Dynamite. There were certain things about NXT I liked tonight. And like I said earlier, I liked the Kyle O'Reilly Finn Balor segment. I thought that was pretty fun. I liked Adam Cole and Austin Theory. I'm not the world's biggest fan of Austin Theory being on my television because he's a pedophile. I don't like the fact that Austin Theory got that much offense. I thought Finn ba- I thought Adam Cole gave way too much. Adam Cole's got to wipe him out. Bar none, plain and simple. I'm sorry. The fact that we're still promote WWE is still promoting Austin two pedophile child pedophiles in Austin Theory and Velveteen Dream still makes me sick to my stomach. I see Austin Theory on my TV. I want to spit at my TV. I see the Velveteen Dream on my TV. I want to spit at my TV. And I know people may say, oh, that may be harsh. No, it's really not. They shouldn't even have jobs. The facts are there. Other things I like. I liked the segment with Kushida. Promo. I really like the fact they did the subtitles. 
He just went and had a squash. That's how you want to make Kushida look. Kushida is a monster. Kushida's top five on that NXT roster. He's just not been given the chance. And if I'm Paul Levesque, I'm having Kushida go over Velveteen Dream on Sunday. I don't think he has the intelligence to do that because for some reason he's got this fascination with the Velveteen Dream. He sees something none of us do. The shine on that guy is gone. I can never, and this is being a journalist, is he a great talent? Absolutely. But he's a first world scumbag. If I'm wrong, someone tell me. I personally don't think I really am. But he's a scumbag. I like the main event of. I thought the main event was okay. That NXT main event with. Oh, God, I'm having the Io Shirai and Damian Priest against Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano. I didn't think the match was bad. I thought pretty good. I just think the storytelling in AEW was big. The title matches. I thoroughly enjoyed FTR and SCU. It told a story. There was a backstory behind the match. I liked the main event. Was it my cup of tea? No. I'm not the world's biggest fan of the butcher, but the butcher showed me something tonight. Now I will say the low light of dynamite was Isaiah Cassidy and Chris Jericho. That was bad. That showed Cassidy wasn't ready for prime time. You could tell in certain spots how rough that was, and we'll get more into that in a moment. But that was that match was pretty rough. It really was. And I hate I hate saying that. But th- that match was very, very rough and very hard to watch. I I also enjoyed Darby Allen and Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks. Telling you guys, this kid, that kid's pretty good. We already, we already knew about Darby Allen, but it's nice to see Ricky Starks get that shine. I thought that was a, a unique way to get things going. Great job with the box. You made it, it made it seem like Nick Jackson was there. Great job by Matt. Super kicking Tony Schiavone, which I, <laughs> poor Tony. It was quite. It was actually kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie, but it was what it was. But if I'm picking a winner, I'm going with a winner. I'm going with AEW. So we'll blast right through this here. We won't sit here and I won't bore you guys to death too much. But if you have any comments and questions, don't be afraid. Don't be a stranger. I know we got some already, a little lower than usual. But we got some. So Make sure you guys leave your questions and comments. They will definitely get answered. <laughs> we did a banger Monday night. We answered, I think I answered like 40 questions So and 40 comments. So we definitely got some already in the docket. Make sure you guys do that as well. All right, we do begin. A new announced team tonight. 
JR Excalibur and Taz. Because Tony Schiavone was looking for an interview with FTR. And we started with Darby Allen and Ricky Starks. Great action. Yeah. Early strikes by Darby Allen, a suplex on the apron, a suicide dive. Then Brian Cage returned. Distracted Darby Allen, Will, but Will Hobbs made sure that didn't last too long. He came out, took care of it, took care of Cage, and they brawled to the back. Starks used the distraction to cuts to get the heat back and cut Darby Allen off. Allen made a comeback, hit the code red, hit a backpack stunner. Tease the coffin, drop off the, off the top, but Starks caught him. It was a beautiful spear by Ricky Starks. That was a great spot. Starks went for the avalanche. Allen kicked him, hit the coffin, drop for the one, two, three. Great way. Beautiful way to kick off the show. Get two young studs getting in there, showing the world what they can do. Man, I love me some Ricky Starks. That spear... When Allen was coming from Hoffman Drop, oh my, oh my God, I felt that from my TV. <laughs> but great match. Really good way to kick off the show. I want to see Ricky Starks getting some wins, though. I think it's that time that Ricky needs to start getting some wins under his belt. I'd like to see, I would like to see him starting to become a contender. And there, Cody came out to call a promo stupidly went to a commercial, which I, I I can get the hook, but WWE does this, and I want to always, I always pound my couch. They went to a break. Dasha was in the ring. She asked about Cody's injury. Said Al Snow once told him, you always wrestle hurt, but you never should wrestle injured. Cody said his injury is more than physical. Said it hurt to lose the TNT title in three minutes to Brody Lee. But while I was off, I got a phone call from Hollywood to appear on another show. Said he heard people talking while he was away, talking about being the future in the ace. Said only three people right now in AEW have the right to speak of themselves in that way. John Moxley, Hikaru Shida, and Brody Lee. Dasha proceeded to go. What was his answer to the challenge of to Brody Lee for the dog collar match? Cody said as an EVP, his answer to Brody Lee was no. Cody came back to the ring. He said no as in no regrets, no holding back. And next week, I accept. Lee came to the ring with the dark order. The locker room came out, tried to hold the two apart. Brandy Rhodes ran in, hit a flip dive. On to Anna J. Anna J attacked Brandy. Nyla Rose and Kylene King came out, jumped the rail and brawled as well. The pull apart continued in the ring. Brody Lee in the dark order retreated to the, to the stage and held a TNT title aloft. Next week, we will see the dog collar match. The first ever. I think it's the first ever dog collar match on live television, whether it's Raw. SmackDown, Dynamite, or NXT. Definitely Dynamite. I got to I gotta think about that one. Hmm. Do you guys know, has there ever been a dog collar match? A national TV. To my recollection, no. But I 
could be wrong. I don't know. But if you guys could help me out with that one, that would be greatly appreciated because I honestly don't remember. I don't remember. Man, I got to think about that one. But if you guys know, has there ever been a dog collar match? I know there's been ones on pay-per-view. But I also like the fact that they brought up the dog collar match from the first Starcade in 1983. Yes, I am going there. Between Roddy Piper and Greg DeHammer Valentine. If you have not seen that match, go to the WWE Network and watch that 1983 Starcade. Just watch. A, Harley Race and Ric Flair was awesome. But then also, Roddy Piper and Greg DeHammer Valentine in a dog collar match. That was phenomenal. If we get that on freaking next week, oh, I got goosebumps, and I'm going to shimmy to that one. I would be down for the cause on that one. And that, that finish is going to be intriguing. Do they go and keep it on Brody Lee, or do they go with Cody? I think that's going to be interesting. Tony Schiavone found FTR along with Tully Blanchard. Cash Wheeler said they did the best friends a favor last week by refusing their challenge. He called best friends, he he called them glorified backyard wrestlers and participation trophy guys. He said SCU are deserving because they were the first AEW World Tag Team Champions. Schiavone asked Dax Harwood about the Young Bucks. Dax brought up this isn't a five-star match. The only reason they're good because of a five-star match with Dave Meltzer. Instead of said if five stars from Dave Meltzer constitutes a title match, maybe the Bucks could get a match at some point. Matt Jackson came out of nowhere, hit a super kick to Tony Schiavone. Dax and Cash called Matt out for kicking Schiavone instead of them. Dasha went to SCU. SCU promised tonight they would win and become the first ever two-time AEW World Tag Team Champions. While they were walking, Sean Spears was waiting for SCU at the curtain and mockingly wished them good luck. Now, I love that promo by FTR. God, you just the confidence in their promos is so night and day. From when they were in WWE, it is amazing. That was some world-class stuff there. And I love this. I know everyone kind of bashes Dave, but I I love Dave Meltzer. And I respect the hell out of Dave. Because if it wasn't for Dave Meltzer, a lot of us wouldn't be in this game. So I think we don't give – I know everyone shit bags on Dave Meltzer. But – I don't think that's rightfully deserved. And holy Christ, whoa. I, I think my eyes are deceiving me, ladies and gentlemen. It is the one, the only, the handsomest man in combat sports journalism. He wants, he turned down the advances of Jennifer Lopez. He thinks Asuka is not as good, not as good as Roman Reigns inside the squared circle. I literally got here like five seconds ago, and I'm already getting bashed. <laughs> he is unfortunately a Chicago Cubs fan. Both of our Chicago teams lost today, so we both really have no room to talk. But at least yeah. my White Sox won game one. 
I feel more confident oh, about the White Sox than I do about the Cubs right now. So, and that's coming from a Cubs fan, ladies and gentlemen. The one and only my homeboy, Dy Dale Rivera, is back. Nice to see you, handsome. Nice to see you too, man. How's everything going? Seen you've been killing it. Well, you know, we're just talking a little Wednesday night wars. You're popping beers. I'm detoxing now, so I'm drinking water. And you got a beer. What kind of beer is that, by the way? Because I want what kind of beer? Course light. Oh, the Rocky Mountain Blues. The, the mountains, the mountains are, blue. are blue. Oh. Tomorrow I'm having a beer and I'm gonna be heavenly excited. It's like 48 hour detox with the wife. And nice. No, it's actually not been bad. I think it's been hurting her more than it's been hurting me. I was driving home. I did. I had to get a COVID test today. And I'm not sick. I want everyone to know I don't have COVID. At least I don't think so. Um, I'm getting some, I guess, pretty, my wife thinks, says it is. I don't think it is. But some, from what he claims, it's serious, a series of tests that are kind of serious. Um, so it required me to get a COVID test because for part of the test, I want, I have to not have a mask on. So that required me to have to get a COVID test. And I will say, I recommend do not get one. If you do not have to get one, please don't do it. Don't touch your brain. That thing they put your, dude, that thing they put up your nose. And I'll explain it, but no one's had it. Because I did the, do the drive-thru. And these people were great at University of Chicago. Fantastic people. You have to pull down your mask to, like, the top of your lip. So they can take this big freaking stick and shove it up your damn nose. Now I'm thinking, okay, this thing's going to be up in my nose for maybe, like, five seconds. Oh, no, Mr. Rivera. No walkway to Fight Club fans. They take this damn thing, Daryl, and they stick it up. They shove it up there as far as they can, and they twist the bejesus out of that for 60 seconds. <laughs> that fucking hurt. My nose just, I, I did that at 4 o'clock. My nose hurt until Dynamite and NXT started. Hurts, that- man. They can probably bring out your memories while they're at it, too. Like your thoughts. They're pulling it out with that. Dude. Touch your brain. Bring your thoughts out. Because, and I'm getting text messages right now. Like, oh, my God, you got COVID. No, I do not have COVID. At least I don't think so. For some tests I'm getting done tomorrow at the doctor. I got to get three echoes done tomorrow. One of them includes running a treadmill. For I don't know how long. So that's why I have to – I can't do that with a mask on, they told me. So that's why I had to go get a COVID test. So I will have the results tomorrow. So you guys will know. You'll know because I'll text you. I'll let you know what's going on. And I guess I'll find out tomorrow if I have COVID. I feel okay. So I don't, I don't know I don't, why I'm not experiencing Saying as excited as you are, like, it's like – Finding out whether or not you got the job. He's like, oh, did I get the job? Did I get COVID? <laughs> P.O.P., man. And, and, I, and I live by this mantra. And I know everyone's like, oh, you always bash WWE. Well, WWE deserves it more often than not. But, yeah. 
Um, but I'm trying to stay positive here. You know, it's like, I got Lynn telling me, oh, you worry too much. So I'm thinking, man, what if I, because I'm like, we're eating dinner and I'm like thinking about it. What if I have COVID? What if I have COVID, Daryl? Then I got to sit in my basement for two weeks. Don't get me wrong. My basement's pretty kosher. But I would have to like, I'd have to tell Lynn, get the cooler. And every day you would have to put certain amounts of beer, certain amount of beers in there. So I would have to drink. I would lose my mind. Yep. It must mean I like love it must mean I like love my wife and my kids. I think that's what that means, right? Hopefully. I think that's kind of what it means. I do. But no, I, I feel okay. I should be fine. I have it, I have it. Whatever. Gotta look at it that way. But I wanted to I'm gonna say this now because since you are now on for probably the next, I'll probably be on the next hour or so. I, I promise this will not be what you saw last night in the presidential debates. You will not see a shit show. You will not see 90 minutes of your life that you wish you had back. And only mean whoever wins that damn election, we're not going to talk politics. I promise we will not scream and walk, talk all over each other. We will not act like pentulant children. We will not call each other clowns. We will not call each other liars. We will not call each other old and incompetent. We don't have none of that here. No. No, this will not be what you saw last night. I promise. I promise. And you will keep coming back for more. But I was going over, Daryl, just talking about, you know, FTR, and I was talking about the thing with the Bucks, and I love where that's going because you know the end destination. You know where the destination is going to be. You know it's going to be FTR. You know it's going to be the Bucks, and you know it's going to be Hangman Page and Kenny Omega at full gear. The destination you're taking to get us there is awesome because you have you have the Young Bucks going out there just super kicking everybody. Nick Jackson's still in California. I don't know if he has COVID. I hope he doesn't, but he may. But I like the integrated map with the super kick, acting like Nick was there. And then you had Hangman Page out for the tag title match. You had FTR against Scorpio Sky and Kazarian. And I will say this. It is nice to see 15, 20-minute tag team matches. Because what we saw, and I know you didn't see much of the show. And I know you looked, I know you were keeping up seeing what was going on. This was a banger. This was a great match. You know, but what really stood out to me, and Hangman Page was on commentary drinking, looked like it was a Roman Coke. And that looked pretty damn delicious. It wasn't a bourbon. It wasn't it wasn't wasn't a nothing like that, but it was a good rum and coke. It looked pretty yummy. I saw the lemons. And the, the one thing I really liked about this the chemistry. I thought both teams the chemistry was really good. Christopher Daniels got uh booted from ringside for no reason, nothing wrong. FTR just said, Hey, he interfered, he attacked me. And the referee said, See you later. Get out. But 
just the fluidness I thought of both teams here was extremely, extremely, extremely well done. Trading the holds, Kazarian hit a lariat, tag Scorpio Sky, hit a beautiful drop kick for a one count. Cash Wheeler tagged in, faced off at Scorpio Sky. They exchanged drop downs, leapfrogs. And this was funny. Cash pretended he was getting, he got tripped. That's how Daniels got booted. I thought that was pretty good. Kazarian missed the baseball slide, but Sky hit a tope congrio to both members of FTR. FTR ended up cutting off Scorpio Sky and getting the heat with the Laird on the outside before throwing him back in. Then they went to another. I wish, and I, and you tell me, because this nugs me. To me, when there's a title match, there should never be a commercial. No. Do you agree with that, or do you think, Daryl, we should at least see a commercial break at least uh-huh. for every long match? I 100% agree with you because when it's a title match, the title match is always building momentum constantly. constantly. It never slow. It should never slow down. If it slows down, match is over. Just because you're drawing attention away from the actual match itself. When it's a title match, you got to make it as like, hey, this is the main focus of the show. One of the main focus on the show. It's a title match. It's a big deal. No commercial breaks. When you go from having like a hard hit, hard hitting action, like Scorpio Sky versus Casual and stuff like that, when you have that going and momentum's gaining and out of nowhere, get Gillette because your beard's getting scruffy and we need you to shave. And like my attention's gone. I don't care about the match anymore. It's like, dude, keep it. If it was a match like a singles match that's a grudge match okay whatever like you want to have a commercial on there make sure it's during a time where there's nothing going on and make sure you show what's actually going on afterwards but since it's a title match no commercial breaks try to keep them off i I understand you gotta hit them it's something we learned in in media school you gotta hit your ads but at the same time book around it there's 15, 20-minute segments that you can book around the, the commercial breaks. You don't have to hit the commercial breaks in the middle of a wrestling match, especially of a title match. No, you, you are 150% correct. He came back from break. Cash missed a charge in the corner. Dax got the tag. Cash took the refs to the sky crate. I mean, this was this old-school great 80s wrestling Sky Cranial Dags, but the rep was tied up, and Scorpio Sky only got a two-count. Kazarian tagged in, hit a series of leg lariats on, on Dax, fought off an, an interfering cash. Wheeler sent him into Dax. Wheeler tagged in, ate a normal, beautiful Northern Light suplex, followed immediately by a Fisherman suplex for a pair of two counts. Wheeler hit a drop kick into a sunset flip by Dax for a two-count. A German suplex by Frankie Kazarian. A tag in by Scorpio Sky hit a high, used a high stack on the cover for a two count. They tried a double pin from a sunset flip from uh, Kazarian into a high cross from Sky for another two count. Scorpio Sky hit Dax with a cutter for a two count. Just call it a diamond cutter. I hate when they call it just a cutter. Power bomb by Wheeler on a kit from Kazarian. Cash hit a beautiful. I love when guys do dragon suplexes. I get a, I get a little extra giddy when I see a good old dragon suplex for a near fall. I don't know why. There's something about the snap dragon suplex. Just really gets me kind of giddy. Kazarian crotch smash on the top rope. Went for a superplex. 
interference by Wheeler. Kazarian countered with a doomsday device attempt with a, into a power slam. Scott used a series of cradles for three near falls on Cash Wheeler. Totally Blanchard interfered by grabbing Cash's hands to block a schoolboy. Now, remember what I just said there involving Tully Blanchard. Wheeler was on the apron. Scorpio Sky went for a stu- suplex. Tully tripped Scorpio Sky for where Cash Wheeler landed right on top of Scorpio Sky. Tully Blanchard, whole yeah. Tully Blanchard held the leg for Cash Wheeler to get the one, two, three, and still your AEW World Tag Team Champion. Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood, FTR. I loved this match. I loved the old, old school 1980s tag team wrestling and an old school 80s finisher. The old suplex from the apron. The manager takes out the leg for his team to win. Holds the leg for the one, two, three. That match was some sexiness. Beautiful finish. Makes me want to see it again. I love what they're doing and bringing the managers back for this finish, Daryl, just because it shows that the champions are weak. The champions are vulnerable, but the champions are still looking good, very good in the ring. I love the finish. I love the match. I love FTR. I love Tully Blanchard. I love Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian. I wouldn't mind seeing this again. Nope. You got two two tag teams that can always are really good workers like SCU. I don't think SCU has had a bad match since AEW started. FTR has, you know, their Fisher moments, but SCU will always deliver. Three of the best wrestlers, three of the best independent wrestlers in history, in my opinion. And they always deliver. And you hit the nail right in the head. AEW tag team. It's good to see... Tag teams get 15 to 20 minutes of action because they can tell a story. They can deliver a hard-hitting match with tag teams. Major difference from what we see on Monday nights and on Friday nights. And you know what? I haven't seen the match. I read over it, but from what I read, fantastic match, something I want to see after the show is over. And it's it's stuff like that that makes me you know a fan of – Tag Team Division and Dynamite. They make me want to tune in afterwards to see how they, how it all came to be. Because I can read a result and be like, all right, I read it. I know what's going to happen. I don't need to see it. But matches like these and make me, you know, all right, I have it recorded. I'm going to go watch it as soon as I, as soon as the podcast is over or tomorrow morning while I'm at work or whatever the case is. They make me tune in to watch. That's what you want. Bingo. Ding, 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 ding. Not, nothing you said there that is wrong. And if for anyone that is watching, for everyone that is watching us instead of the NBA Finals, you can turn that off and continue and tell everyone to watch the walkway to Fight Club. The Lakers are up 28. 28. I'm glad I took the minus four and a half with the Lakers tonight. That's looking very bright. Looking very bright, my friend. 
<laughs> Good lord, it was an ass whooping. Kept trying to tell people the Heat are not going to, the Heat aren't long for this series. If this series goes five games, I will be pleasantly surprised. And I hate saying that because I respect the hell out of Jimmy Butler and for what he's become and leading the Heat to the finals. And look at that. The viewers are, they've recognized. But no. But I hate saying that because I am a I like Jimmy Butler, but so do I. I really, I really hope he wins, just because I want to see Bulls management just look stupid, stupid. Not, see, not anymore. Not anymore though, because I like this new management regime. Yep. If you want to stick it up, Foreman, Gar Foreman, and John Paxson's ass, be my guest. I'm cool. That's with what that. I. But let's That's get because. John Paxson still has a job in the Bulls, which baffles me. Yeah. I don't think he's too much long for it either. Right after the match, it was announced. Then they went back to the commentary booth. Excalibur, Taz, JR announced there'll be an eight-man tournament for for a shot at the AEW World Title with the finals at full gear. Ray Phoenix, Jungle Boy, and Kenny Omega were the first three guys announced for the tournament. Hangman Adam Page here is that leaves the commentary table shocked and surprised that Omega was announced for the tournament. And then they just ragged on poor Hex Caliber. Like, man, you could have. I, I love the line by Taz. He goes, man, you could have just given him a heads up that this was going to be announced. So you have to think. And this is where I drew that conclusion earlier when we were about the Bucks and FTR again, Paige. You have to figure then Paige is going to be announced in the tournament, and Omega and Paige are going to cost each other their matches, and then they're going to be tag teaming it. I don't know anything, but I'm just kind of – I know the running plan as of about a month ago was for it to be a triple threat ladder match at full gear. So we will see how they get there. But I thought a very good segment. I liked, and poor, I just felt bad for Excalibur. <laughs> Chris Jericho against Isaiah Cassidy. Jericho had the inner circle with them. Isaiah Cassidy had Mark Queen and Matt Hardy. This was shocking in a lot of ways, and we'll get into it in a minute. Cassidy got the upper hand right away. Jericho bumped, oh my God, all over the place. Cassidy had a series of strikes using a Mahi Straw Cradle for an early two count. Jericho took a slingshot over the top to the floor. Cassidy teased a dive, but Jericho stepped away. Jericho got sent over the barricade, and where he went at it with Luther. Luther hit a right hand and clothesline Jericho back over the barricade. Cassidy hit a tornillo and a swanton for a near fall. Jericho came right back with a series of right hands that took control before a commercial break. Which, in this instance, ladies and gentlemen, is fine. And I know you're going to say, oh, well, why is that fine for a Chris Jericho match? Because the match, it wasn't a big notable match, and it wasn't a title. And no offense, Isaiah Chris Jericho, but it just really wasn't. No. Cassidy came back from the commercial, crotched Jericho onto the second turnbuckle, a cutter that didn't look too hot for a two count. Cassidy avoided a springboard dropkick, hit a springboard stunner, which looked much better. Cassidy got it. Jericho went for a line saw. Cassidy got his knees up, then hit a line salt of his own for a two count. Cassidy then hit an impressive code breaker, which, and, and this is why I started to kind of get into the match. Cassidy hit the, the code breaker, and Jericho got up at like 2.999999. It was a 
beautiful job of kicking out there by Chris Jericho. I thought that was extremely well done. Cassidy went for a springboard attack, but Chris Jericho, the Wiley Coyote veteran that he is, hit the Judas effect for the one, two, three. Your winner, Chris Jericho. Not a fan of this match at all. Um, Isaiah, and I said this before you came on, Isaiah Cassidy's just not ready. You know, him and Mark Queen are still very young. I don't know. I don't know why this match even happened. This is a match I could have really done without. But Jericho gave a lot of the match to try to build Isaiah Cassidy, which what you want to do? Want to try to get the young guy over him? And a lot of guys don't do that. I'll give Chris Jericho credit for that. That was very smart to do. But just a lot of the second springboard stunner didn't look too hot. Jericho was bleeding from the mouth. You could tell something went wrong there. Just the spots were too slow. I thought Isaiah Cassie just looked slow. It seemed like he was trying, instead of just being natural about it, just he was very slow in doing the spots. And that's going to take more time in doing more one-on-one work. But he didn't look good here. But he does gain experience, I feel like, because he did get to work with Chris Jericho. And I think that's only going to help him in the future. And if we all know Chris, I bet after that match, I bet Jericho went in the back and said, hey, it was rough, but work. let's work on, you need to work on this and this and this. And I bet, Daryl, if they meet again in the future, which I, I hope they do, I bet the match will be much better. Yeah. And that's the point in, in all this. Like, AEW, like, they do a good job at that. They give young guys an opportunity to, to do the thing because that's how they're going to learn. You can't build stars by having them work dark matches and do this and that. You need to throw them in the fire sometimes. You need to have them learn by trial by fire. And sometimes you're going to get a dud like today. Sometimes you're going to you know, hit a home run, and it is what it is. That's how you build stars. That's how you develop the young guys. you got to give them opportunities. you got to have patience, and you got to go with it. Once you throw them out there like with a veteran like Jericho, who is, in my opinion, one of the greatest of all time, you want to go ahead and take advantage. You give him that spotlight. Jericho's going to work with you. He's going to give you the best that he has, and he's going to make you look like a star. You just have to develop your stuff and make sure that you're on par with him. And honestly, I didn't hate the match. Like I knew, I knew I what they were trying to do. It was okay. It wasn't. It was rough. It was rough in a lot of spots, but. I just thought Cassie's got to work on his timing better. I don't. I didn't. I didn't really have faith in himself, and I can understand. And that's because that's a huge spot. Yeah, and I think that's just going to take time. It's it's an old adage like riding a bike. You just got to keep getting the reps. Got to keep getting the reps, and over time, I think Isaiah. I think he's got a ton of talent. As does Mark Quinn. Inner Circle jumped to attack Cassidy after the match. Matt Hardy came in with a chair and cleared cleared the ring. Then Hager and Jericho brawled with Dr. Luther and Sir Penico after the match. Now, I didn't notice, and Excalibur brought this up. Expect I, this was a because if you're thinking about it, and I, and I was thinking it, why is Jericho going over with Dr. Luther? Well, A, Jericho and Hager, it seems like they're going to be getting a tag title match sometime in the future. 
because they're focusing on tag teams with them. But Jericho got his start with Dr. Luther in Stampede Wrestling with Stu Hart, which I did not know until that was brought up. So there's a bit of a backstory with Chris Jericho and Dr. Luther. So I think it's pretty cool. 30 plus years later, it comes full circle. And Dr. Luther and Chris Jericho are having a little bit of a mini feud here, which I think is pretty cool. And don't forget next week is the 30th anniversary show of Chris Jericho of how long he's been in professional wrestling. It's going to be a 30th anniversary celebration of Le Champion, the demo god, the one and only Chris Jericho. So that should be some fun coming up next week on Dynamite. Miro and Kip Sabian were at, of all places, I haven't seen one of these in a long time, Daryl. An arcade. They had X throwing plays for Sabian's bachelor party. Miro was upset because he wanted Sabian to have a erupt springer of a bachelor party, but he can't because of the pandemic. Billy Mitchell came up to Miro, wants to offer his services to help Miro throw Sabian a great bachelor party. Okay, I can... I want to see where this goes before I totally shit the bag on it. But if it was tonight, I would have shit on it. But I'm going to give it a shot here and see where it goes. Dasha was... Yeah. Dasha was with best friends. FTR came. FTR said there's a spot on the card for guys like best friends who they view as a comedy act. But there, the top guys did their little thing. (laughs) Just this little funny thing is Orange Cassidy was in the background. He called them weenies. What? I like JR's comment when best friends in Orange Case here walking to the ring, Daryl and JR goes, Are we allowed to see weenies on TV? <laughs> just thought that was I thought that was freaking awesome. I just started laughing. My, my little guy just looked at me and started clapping his hands. So I'm like, okay. Like apparently that was funny because if a, a six soon to be 16-month-old found him pretty humorous, I guess I should as well. And that led to Orange Cassidy taking on 10 of the Dark Order. Cassidy was with best friends. 10 was with Colt Cabana, John Silver, and Alan Angels. Very funny parts at the beginning of the match when 10 mocked Orange Cassidy, had his sunglasses, and did the pocket spot that Orange Cassidy always does. 10 hit a spine buster and a pump kick before sending Cassidy into the barricade. Dark Order mocked the best friend's hug spot. But that allowed Cassidy to hit a dive off the post. Cassidy hit the orange punch and then the beach break for the pin. Nothing to it, more or less to get Orange Cassidy on TV. I want to, what do you do at this point with Orange Cassidy? You got the end of the program with Chris Jericho. And I know you just want to get him on TV. You want to get him a win. Do you put him in this eight-man world title picture and you give him a win or two? You got to feel like you got to build off this momentum somehow with Orange Cassidy. At least I think so. I don't. I don't think you you put him in the eight man in the end mind tournament because at some point he's going to lose. The last thing you want to do with Cassidy right now is have him lose. I would have him start feuding with the Dark Order just because that has a lot of potential to be entertaining. Like the match tonight was comedy. It was weird. Like there was a lot of mocking around and everything. But build up, build up to the match. Try to you know have him feud with Dark Order for a while. Because Dark Order's they're a good feud to have. 
see what the blow-off is between Cody and Brody Lee, which I hope it's Brody Lee going over. And then yeah. if Brody Lee goes over, Orange Cassidy versus Brody Lee sounds like a like a pretty entertaining match. But for right now, I would keep him away from the world title just because I don't see any other scenario other than him losing in a big profile match. And since he already, I don't know, I just don't see him in, a, in the world title picture right now. I see him more in the TNT championship type program. Okay. I can't disagree with it. No, I, I think for right now, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. Uh, MJF and Wardlow go into the inner circle locker room and they give Chris Jericho a gift. MJF had jackets for everyone but Sammy Guevara. MJF swore in his mother's life, Daryl, that he did not leave Sammy out intentionally. He said, was just there to congratulate you, Chris, for the big win tonight. Jericho proceeds to ask MJF if he wanted to join the inner circle. MJF's like, well, do you want me to join? Nice little back and forth on the same point for a while. MJF and Wardlow then leave with no answer, by the way. Guevara called MJF a loser, but Jericho said perhaps he's not a loser. I love this because it's like, what are they doing with Jericho and MJF? Is Jericho going to, is MJF going to join the inner circle? Is, are they going to have a match? Is MJF going to have a match with Guevara? I just think the little slow burn, whatever this is going to be, whether it's going to be them having a match, whether they kick Guevara out of the inner circle and MJF is the new member. I think the potential here is, is endless. And what they've done with Jericho and MJF since, since the pay-per-view, I think it's been well, since all out's been well done and I, everything they've done has been pretty much gold in my mind. Yeah. It's stuff that makes you want to watch. It makes me intrigued and wanting to watch anytime they're on TV. I have to pay attention. I'm like, okay, cool. What, what's going to happen this week? What's going to happen here? Cause you know, when you were watching a two hour show, there's segments and you're like, all right, cool. This is where I go to the bathroom. This is where I go make popcorn, whatever the case is. When you see MJF and Chris Jericho in the same no. spot, you're like, all right, perfect. Now we got to watch. Yeah, Dr. Britt Baker defeat with Reba defeating Red Velvet. A good squash to get Britt Baker really back, really get after five months gone. Velda got some offense early on. Velda hit a leg, Larry, and a bulldog for a two. Breaker came right back, got the heat with a hammerlock to set up a clothesline. Then Baker hit a butterfly suplex, used a misdirection spot to set up the sling blade, sling blade followed by the neck breaker and a curb stomp for the win. And after the match, he attacked Red Velvet and applied the lock jaw with Velvet screaming in agony. I loved this. The only reason I love this, it was a squash. Baker ran her ass over like a Mack truck. And she looked crisp in her moves. That's the first match she's had in over five months, Daryl. I thought for being gone for that long, I thought she looked good. 
And that was just very smart booking to remind people how how great she is, how great that character is, and to reestablish that she's going to be back in the AEW women's title picture sooner rather than later. Yep. And sooner is hopefully the best, you know, spot for her right now. We hope to see that she gets it sooner because right now she's one of the she's had her own program. She's been hyped up since she debuted it last year. At some point you need to get the the title of Shikaru, uh Shikaru Shida, and you need somebody that's gonna carry that division a little you need a heel champion. Right now you have the face champion, you need the heel champion to take over and make that division a little more deep. What I mean by that is get more challengers in there. You already had Big Swole, you know, had the rivalry with, with Britt Baker. In my opinion, the move to make is make her the champ and have all the women in the division going after that title. Not just always, you know, Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. You know, have have a good amount of women just go after a title because they need more time in AEW right now. They need more television time to develop storylines and everything. They have the talent. They just need the time to do that. And that's no, my biggest thing with, with AEW. My biggest thing has been that they don't, they're not giving the women enough time, in my opinion. So hopefully, we already saw it with a tag match last week with uh, Cheetah and Rosa versus Ivelisse and Diamante. Hopefully, they give them more and more time each week. Start developing that division. Because you need to. That's one of WWE's top divisions. You want to compete with them? You want to make sure you uh, compete with them in every level. Not just tag teams, not just singles and men's division, but also the women. And I think they will. You know, they started, and people seem just to always forget this. They started this company from scratch. It came from the ground. This is ground floor stuff here. So that was going to be the division that was going on. And I hate saying it. It's just like you said, what the WWE women's division has become and how good it really is. But I think, you know, you there's a lot of talent and then they need time. They haven't been in front of this type of audience. They need the time to work out the kinks. And I think they will. Am I saying it's going to be as good as WWE's? No, because w- I love WWE's women's division. But the game changer will, if they get Tessa Blanchard to me, that will be the game changer for their women's division. They need to sign her. I think whatever – I don't even want to say hard things. I don't know. I don't think there are because I know Tessa's friends with Cody. I know she's friends with the Bucks. I think Tony Khan's got to get – I know he's got a certain vision and how he wants his company to be perceived. But Tessa Blant, when there's game changers – and you have a chance to get a game changer, I think you have to take that opportunity. So we shall see what they got, what they will do about that. But they did announce next week for next week's show, along with the 30th anniversary celebration of Chris Jericho's time in pro wrestling. Jericho will be in the ring. Sim and Jake Hager team up to face Luther and Sarah Penico. Will Hobbs against Brian Cage for the FTW Championship. And Brody Lee against Cody for the TNT title in a dog collar match for next week. Final segment of the show, Eddie Kingston came out with Penta El Zero and Ray Phoenix and referee Brian Remsburg before a commercial break. Kingston cut. God, who's better right now in wrestling than in cutting a promo than Eddie Kingston? Every time that guy talks, you got me. I'm like leaning into the TV. 
His promos are amazing. Said he fought Moxley last week for the belt. Put Moxley, put him in the bulldog choke, but he never, I never, ever, ever tapped out. Said Moxley went to Tony Khan. Got an open contract for this week, but Eddie Kingston would get to pick the opponent. But then he, he asked Remsburg why he called for the bell last week. I thought good stuff here from Remsburg. Very passionate stuff here. Said they go way back and they are friendly, but when they're at work, it's my job to protect you from yourself. Penta, Phoenix, and Kingston began to get ready to attack Remsburg when Moxley came out. Came out with the barbed wire bat, which I thought was cool. They rolled at the outside, and Kingston said his opponent would be the Butcher, who was behind Moxley, and gave him a clothesline. Butcher dominated the first part of the match. A lot of, just a lot of hard hitting, a lot of clubbing, clobbering, squeezing. Moxley made a comeback, got a cross arm breaker. Butcher slid to a single single leg crab, then hit some punches out of Moxley's guard, which I thought was a nice little MMA spot there. Butcher hit a power slam for a two come perform, going back to the single leg crab. Moxley blocked the power slam, blocked it, then Butcher blocked the paradigm shift. Went for the Butcher went for the stretch muffler, but couldn't quite figure out how to put it on, which was a, not a good spot there. Moxley rolled at the outside. Butcher missed a charge, got sent into the barricade, got back inside the ring, traded some strikes. Butcher hit something that I maybe a crossbody for a two count. Butcher hit the rock bottom and a leg drop for a near fall. Moxley hit a superplex, but Butcher grabbed his leg on the landing. Moxley once again fought off the other single leg crab attempt. Moxley with a Jerry the King Lawler pile driver for a two. Butcher blocked another suplex, hit a cross body off the second rope for a two. Moxley ducked the lariat, hit a paradigm shift, followed up with the bulldog choke, and Butcher tapped out. At times, this match was clunky. I like the hard hitting though. People are, was it a great match? No. Was it a five-star world classic? No. But the reason I liked the match, as bad as it was in the ring, and that's not of Moxley's fault. That's all because of the butcher, and it is what it is. But they were telling the story of Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Kingston trying to get anybody and anyone to take out Moxley, weaken him up. So he can get at him. I like that little backstory there. Too. Unlike what we saw on Raw where Bobby Roode was just thrown into a world title match for no rhyme, reason, or anything whatsoever. As good as that match was, there was no story behind it. Why? How did Robert Roode even get to this point, get to this opportunity? This came out of nowhere. And, oh, hey, you've been gone for six and a half months. You're going to get a world title shot. Match was good. The match was better than what we saw tonight. I'm, I'm, that's a definitive. But there was no stakes. There wasn't, yeah, there were stakes, but there was no story. Why should I get emotionally invested in Robert Root beyond him being a good worker in the ring and he's been gone for six months? It's not a story. At least with the butcher, I there was a story. There was a rhyme. There was a reason he was in the spot he was in. The match sucked, but at least they told the story. And I think we will get Moxley and Kingston down the line. It's just a matter of when and not if. Fair enough. It's a match that I, I have <laughs> I to look at. Like, Go ahead. I got shit bagged on it, but I got shit bagged on it, but I it was like ha ha ha, but I the match was what it was. It wasn't great. It it sucked. 
But I like hard-hitting matches. I thought for some of the spots I thought were unique. I thought some of the spots were good. But it wasn't the best match I've seen. It was the worst match. It wasn't the worst match of the night. I thought Dynamite had the worst two matches of the night. But they didn't overcome that. I still thought they were a better show. Yeah. Let's get to NXT. We had Shotzi Blackheart, Dakota Kai, kicking off the show. And it was just – this match was just all kinds of weird. She grounded Kai right at the beginning, tied her up in holds. Kai got cut her off, got the heat back, cut her off, began to work her over. Blackheart sidestepped Kai, and Kai got caught on the ropes. Blackheart was going for the senton into the ropes when Raquel Gonzalez jumped on the apron for the distraction. Rhea Ripley came out of nowhere, made sure that Raquel Gonzalez would no longer interfere. Blackheart hit the ropes, Gonzalez tripped her again. Actually, never mind. Blackheart hit the ropes, Gonzalez tripped her. I lost my spot. Rhea Ripley came out, shoved Gonzalez. Referee came out to separate him at ringside. Kai missed a kick in the corner. Blackheart rolled her up for the one, two, three. This was rough. And I'm back to me. This was rough. I like Shotzi. Thought this would have been good. Just I thought was very, very clunky in spots. Here's one thing NXT did very well tonight was non-stuff in the ring. Interview segments. I thought this was very good. They did a split screen with the Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar and Isaiah Swerve Scott as they will be facing off this coming Sunday at TakeOver, which we will be reviewing immediately after the show. So make sure you guys do tune in on Sunday night. They went face-to-face. They caught promos on each other. It was, I liked how it was like Swerve Scott was like in the interrogation room. <laughs> then he had Santos Escobar like on the crown. Like, I am the king. I am Santos Escobar. I am the real Cruiserweight champion. But no, I thought this was really well done here. It was They cut really good promos. I know people are upset. Oh, it's just like. You know, the debate last night. But no, they, they make each passionately explain why they're going to walk out of this Cruiserweight Champions. So I thought that was well done. A vignette was, sh- came up next, showing the mysterious character riding around on a motorcycle. Who is coming on at TakeOver? 10-4-20. I hope it's Robert Roode, but I think we're unfortunately going to get Bo Dallas. I just want to. Hopefully, there he is. We'll get Daryl's thoughts on it because I want to ask Daryl who he thinks. There he is. Now, who do you think, and we'll jump, we'll put you right into the fire here. Who do oh, you boy. think is going to be the mystery guy or lady on Sunday at TakeOver? I'm For- thinking it's either, I'm thinking it's either Bo Dallas or Ember Moon. I like both of those. Or is it someone else? All I we know is it's a full NXT champion. You're gonna have to. Hmm. You're gonna have to give me a minute. One. I like Bo Dallas. 
Just because we haven't seen him in so long. So you're going with both of Can you hear me? I can hear you. You're good. 100% you're in. You're good. All right, perfect. Yeah, I like Ember Moon and I like Bo Dallas. I, I'm more intrigued about Bo Dallas just because he's needed a character change for so long. Like, this is a guy that had a lengthy NXT title run, and he can work. Like The, the only thing that happened to him is that he got a, a shitty gimmick when he went up to the top, you know, to the main roster. Because the Bo Leaf thing made me want to run my head through a wall. So wait, 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 wait. you didn't wait, wait, wait. You didn't believe. I didn't believe. No, I believe he got a shitty ass catchphrase and gimmick. How do you have a guy that was a a title holder for so long and you haven't come out and you gotta believe and expect him to be credible? That was great. He like ran around the ring. He had his hands in the air like he was Rocky Balboa in Rocky 1 and 2. Come on. You weren't a bow lever? I was not a bow lever because I knew it wasn't going to get him anywhere. This is a guy that it's – I put him in the same category as Bray Wyatt. He had all the tools that you can actually build him to be a star, and you gave him a shitty gimmick or didn't use him properly. Because the B team, they got over I don't know how. But they got over. Like, this is a guy that's proven he can get over. B team, B team, go, go, go. So I hope it's Bo Dallas, and I know they give him a good NXT run. Does Bo Dallas attack the winner? If it's Bo Dallas. Does he attack the winner of the main event between Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor? I say yeah. Just because if it's a former NXT champion, why would you have him go anywhere else? Man, Did they spit off? Yeah. No, they didn't say he was going to come out and attack, but they just said it would be a former NXT champion. So that's why you like Ember Moon. She's been on, on back trail. Bo Dallas. You could throw Robert Roode out because he appeared on Raw. So it's either Bo Dallas or Ember Moon in my mind. But I'm not very man. Finn Finn Bal. I mean Bo Dallas against either Finn Balor or Kyle O'Reilly. That would be rough. A great would some, mini doc. Would Samoa Joe would be one of the options. You know what? I like where your head's at there, D.Y. See, this is why you are D.Y. Daryl Rivera. That's a good, astute observation. I never even thought about Samoa Joe. I like it. Just, I like it. Just I would rather we, see Samoa Joe. We haven't seen him in a while. It's, it's wishful thinking. They had no use for him in Raw. Why well, not? He's got to carry Byron. He's got to carry Byron Saxon's happy ass. I'd rather see Joe in NXT than him carrying Byron's happy ass on Raw in the commentary. I can't always mute Raw. I'd rather watch watch him on NXT. 
where he was used like a main event star that he is. Okay, I just fucking hate Byron Saxon. I know you do. If someone just like walked out to him and said, you're fired, I would, or you're getting demoted, you were going to go work concessions. <laughs> but you have to pull cables. Do some work the camera. Probably working couldn't production. even do that right. You're working graphics in the production. No, you don't want him anywhere near you. don't want him. He, can't, he doesn't even know how to talk. How would you want him running your production? Good Lord. Sometimes great, the people that can't talk work the productions. He doesn't even know how to talk. He doesn't even know how to do it. I'm surprised he knows how to walk. <laughs> he got me upset, man. God, I hate Byron Saxon. I reeled on him on Monday. Apparently, WWE wasn't the rule. I was like, well, if the shoe fits, is always my saying. And then I didn't hear a response after that. So we shall see. Uh, <laughs> great mini doc on Kyle O'Reilly going into his NXT title match against Finn Balor. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano ahead of the main event against Damian Priest and Io Shirai. They said they want to be the first married couple to hold two world titles simultaneously. As Candice LeRae faces Io Shirai on Sunday for the women's title, and Johnny Gargano challenges Damian Priest for the North American Championship. I thought it was that was well done. It's, there's the stakes. They want to become the first couple, man and wife, the whole two belts at the same time. There's the hook. I, I want to fact love... check that. No, I there, fact... there's no I wanna... simultaneously at the same time. There's nobody, man and wife, nobody. And I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You are wrong. But this is just off the top of my head. Didn't Triple H and Stephanie McMahon hold the title simultaneously? They were not married on uh, real life. So, no, that wouldn't count. That's a technicality. Real life married they, were, they were married on screen. Get that out of here. That doesn't count. Come on. That's, that's just a nah, technicality. Yeah, no. You know it. We're married off screen. You know, you just think you can it's come off screen. You know, <laughs> don't. Invent your wrongness to Kayla. It's okay to be wrong. I'm wrong quite often. It's okay. It she happens. isn't bad. She's nowhere. She's nowhere near. You get her and then you did something wrong. That you were wrong. See, honey, I was I was wrong, Steve. I've only been on fifteen minutes I, and I'm wrong. It didn't I even did say. I did say I could be wrong. It was just a question. I could not confirm it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wrong. Nor deny it. I could be wrong I, once in a while. Get... <laughs> you sound like my wife. I could be wrong <laughs> once in a while. Good Lord. But um, people think you know, I love Lorraine. I love Lorraine Gargano as heels. Just because they just come off like so snarky. It is amazing. 
Their heel work is great. Very. I'll say lukewarm to this heel idea. But them being heels is aces in my eyes. Cameron Cameron Grimes came out and caught a promo. So he was mad that I would not be. He would not be. He lost the gauntlet eliminator. He would not be facing Finn Balor on Sunday. He said he can cheer up though because he's building the stepping stone back to the top. And I'm going to have the Cameron Grimes Invitational. So I'm going to climb that ladder and I'm going to get a crack at the NXT champion. Then some guy who looked like he was about 14 came out. Grimes hit him with the cave and the ref counted the three. And Cameron Grimes won the match and Cameron Grimes didn't even break a sweat, nor even had to take that old vest off. Introduce his next opponent known as Joey Strong. Got thrown onto the stage by Rich Holland. Looked like looks like Grimes has a new and different opponent. Holland threw the small guy off the stage. Grimes is like, you know what? It's nice to meet you, Rich Holland. And he would shake his hand. However, Grimes said he was not part of the Cameron Grimes invitational. Holland came in, headbutted him, and the match was on. Cameron Grimes won, beat Rich Holland by disqualification. Holland pummeled Grimes on the referee call for the DQ when he would not break the five count. This was fun because Rich Holland just came in. Cameron Grimes' A is just downright hilarious. And he's just beating on poor wimps to make himself look cool. So I, I, I thought the mic work from Cameron Grimes, his mic work to begin with is pretty solid. Gives Rich Holland something to do. You know, Rich Cameron Grimes is a good worker. I do fear for Cameron Grimes, though, because I don't feel like he's going to get the better end of the stickiness. It seems like they see something in Rich Holland that I really don't personally see. While it is good to see Cameron Grimes on TV, feuding at Rich Holland, I can definitely do without. Yeah. Um, also, quick note. Happy birthday to Cameron Grimes. <laughs> On your birthday, you get your ass beat <laughs> in the WWE. Now, if it was your birthday and Paul Levesque said, you know what, take this ass whooping on your birthday, what would you say the the man formerly known as Triple H? How much are you paying me again? Not enough. If I'm still getting paid, I'm fucking. I mean, I'm. I'm get, I guess I'm getting. I'm taking an ass whooping. When it's from Triple H, the future, the future Vince McMahon. I hope the future Vince McMahon. I will take that ass beat, like ass beating, in hopes that that would lead me to get on his good side and get better booking. The Which, NBA Finals. Game one is in the books. The Lakers win 116 to 98. For you betters out there, the over under was 217 and a half. So I feel bad for I did not touch it. I won with the Lakers minus four. So I am very happy and excited. But for everyone that took the over, I am very sorry. I did not touch this game at all. Easy money. Minus four with the Lakers? Come on, son. Come on. I didn't touch it at all. That's stealing. That's stealing. 
stealing Miami from a baby. Here comes Miami a bear. On a hot streak. Go ahead. Miami's in a hot streak. You don't mess with a hot streak. <laughs> Fair enough with that. We will get into and the first pedophile that we saw on NXT tonight. Austin Theory cut a promo saying he was more of the future than Kyle O'Reilly because I am younger. Kyle O'Reilly should try to catch up with Austin Theory. Sure. Vignette. Um, a hype video aired of Kachita, which I thought was well done going into his match with. And where I had to see another pedophile on our television in the Velveteen Dream as they face off next week at on this coming Sunday. At takeover. Kachita won a squash over Tony Nice. This Nice kept Kashida on the top rope early on. They went to the outside. Nice when Kashida gave him shoulder first into the post. Kashida targeted the shoulder and the arm. Locked in the hoverboard lock, and Tony Nice quickly tapped out. Why in the blue moon did they wait so long to do this with Kashida? He should have been coming in from New Japan and made him to be a damn monster. Instead, you made him look like a damn fool. And now they decide, hey, this guy's actually pretty fucking good. And now we're going to make him into a killing machine. Good Lord. What company he is this again? better win on Yes, I know. And he better win Sunday. If Kushida doesn't if he doesn't beat the guy who loves preying on children, I'm going to be extremely pissed. I know that probably isn't the most politically correct thing to say, and I know it isn't a journalistic thing to say, but there's two things I don't need on my TV when I watch a great show called NXT. I don't need to see child... I don't need to see child pedophiles known as Austin Theory and Velveteen Dream on my television. Beyond that, I will never have a problem with NXT. I will rail on that until those two are off my TV. And I hope, and I'm glad Austin Theory lost tonight, even though he shouldn't be there either. But I'm sorry. I I get very upset by that stuff just because I'm a father. And I know we always talk about this, but what these people see. Even if you thought, Daryl, even if you thought Valentine Dream and Austin can be guys that can main event WrestleMania, I would have I would have fired them in a New York minute and not even thought about it. Adios. See you later. You go hold us. You'll be get become poor soon and you'll have to hold a sign saying that you need money. You'll be one of them people. And I hope they become those people. Because I have no shame and no pity for people like that. Nope. 100% agree. And we... And we move on. I... Cameron Grimes was walking around selling his ass beating from Rich Holland. He was looking for William Regal, but ran into into Dexter Loomis, who just stared a hole through him. Grimes called him a freak and then stormed off. Adam Cole came in. Adam Cole cut a hell of a promo. Said for three years, Undisputed Era has dominated NXT. They've done what they want, when they want, and nobody's been able to stop them. They had a prophecy saying we would win. The Undisputed Era would win every championship, and they did. The locker room knew not to go get in their way. Then the prophecy ended, and they lost all their championships. People felt they changed. 
Cole said nothing has changed. We are the same group that won the first war games. We've dominated NXT. Then he called out Austin Theory for running his mouth about Kyle O'Reilly. Theory came on stage, would not enter the ring. Cole gave him two options. One, you get in the ring and fight, or stay there and don't move. Unspirited Arrow then beat him down, and that would means you'd have to take the first option. Theory got in the ring, and the match was on. Theory tried to immediately get out of the ring. Cole followed him to the outside, gave him a pump kick on the floor, sent him into the ring steps, got him back in the ring, hit a neck breaker for the count of two. A nice suplex by Theory. And then moments later, he got his leg caught in the rope. Cole locked in a headlock. Theory for – I like – this part I didn't like. Theory was talking trash, saying undisputed crap. Cole made him eat a back elbow. Theory cut him off, rolling through and hitting a springboard into a dropkick. The unfortunate commercial break is this match was just starting to get pretty good. Cole, Cole got the heat back, hit the backstabber for a two. A pump kick and a Yusha Gorshi led to another two. Went for the Panama Sunrise, but there he blocked it with a nice black trap. That was a good spot there. Super kick Cole. There he gave Cole a blue thunder bomb for a two. Thought a little bit of Sami Zayn there. Exchanged some strikes. Super kick from Cole to Theory. Theory went for his springing drop kick again. Ran into a super kick. Another Ishigoshi. Then Cole delivered the last shot. One, two, three. Not a bad match. I thought it was a pretty solid match. Adam Cole looked really good here. Cole looked into the camera, cut a promo, putting over Kyle O'Reilly. Said O'Reilly will shock the world on Sunday, but it won't shock Adam Cole. He knows how great Kyle O'Reilly is. Do you think... We'll get into that. I'll get into the question I have for you in a minute, because there is a question I do have regarding this. Caden Carter... Defeated Jay Lee. There's nothing really to the match. There's nothing to it the happened. match. Kane, Kane, it was there. Kane Carter won with a cradle. Then here came my favorite part of the show. The face off. Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor to promote the, the main event on Sunday for the NXT title. And Shawn Michaels mysteriously is all better from that beating he got from Randy Orton because Shawn Michaels looked perfectly fine this evening. Shawn Michaels was more or less just, he moderated the segment. They shook hands before sitting down. Balor congratulated O'Reilly on winning the gauntlet qualifier, respects him as a competitor, and looks forward to the match on Sunday. O'Reilly said the same thing, nothing but respect. Michaels went on to ask Balor how he planned to prepare for O'Reilly. Balor was like, hey, I know how good Kyle O'Reilly is. O'Reilly responded and said Balor likes to stroke his own ego because Balor thinks he can beat him. O'Reilly went on to say that Balor's defeat was absolutely certain. Balor's like, hey, is Undisputed Era going to be there on Sunday? O'Reilly said this Sunday is not about the Undisputed Era. It's his moment. Michaels asked about any conflict between him and Cole if O'Reilly were to win. O'Reilly said not a chance. Started mocking each other before getting more serious. They moved in closer and glared in each other's eyes. They kept jawjacking with each other. O'Reilly said him being the underdog was bullshit, and he vowed to win the NXT title on Sunday. Michael gave Michaels gave the last word to Finn. Said O'Reilly has everything it takes to be the NXT champion, and he would be if the title was on anybody else except for Finn Balor. This got me excited. 
This gave me some goosebumps. I got goosebumps right now. That match on Sunday for the NXT title, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly is going to be fucking awesome. I have a proclamation right now. This will be one of the top three matches of the year in WWE. This match is going to be that good. If you guys have not seen Kyle O'Reilly in singles, watch Ring of Honor. Subscribe to Honor Club. Go to YouTube. Watch Kyle O'Reilly matches. He's had great matches with Adam Cole. Watch. If you can watch any Kyle O'Reilly matches, singles matches before Sunday, definitely, definitely, definitely watch. Because he is great. We all know Finn Balor is great. The world's going to recognize on Sunday, Daryl, how great Kyle O'Reilly is. I don't know if he's going to win the title. I think it would be a little early to, to take it off of Finn. But this match is going to be fantastic. Yep. This is this is the epitome of what JR would describe as gonna be a slobber knocker on Sunday. No. I miss JR. I miss WWE JR so much. <laughs> I don't. He's right where he belongs. <laughs> He's right where he belongs. He's right. No, I mean I mean WWE is doesn't deserve him. They deserve crap like Michael Cole. They deserve crap like Tom Phillips. They had something good in Vic Joseph and made him freaking stupid and was off TV. Don't forget your boy, Byron Sexton. I can feel feel the blood boiling over here. You're trying so hard. You're not going. You know what the good thing is about TakeOver on Sunday? I do not have to hear Byron Saxon's happy ass. I can deal with Tom Phillips because he's there's a there's times Tom Phillips is pretty competent. As long as Byron Saxon's not on my television, I am fucking good to go. If I I'm see him at any point, I'm going to laugh so hard. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot you a text. I'm like, are you still watching or what? <laughs> Did your phone go through the TV? And don't forget, everybody, we will be having the takeover. We will be recapping NXT TakeOver 31 following the show on Sunday. So I get a live blog that, too, which actually will be fun. I haven't blogged on TakeOver in a hot minute. So that should be some fun Sunday. I'm actually looking forward to doing it. Um, main event, Candice LeRae, Johnny Gargano against Io Shirai and Damian Priest. I thought a pretty solid match. I thought it wasn't bad. It was a lot of back and forth action. Uh, I kind of just kind—I'll just jump in here. Lorraine, kind of a back and forth, and kind of where the heat came was Lorraine hit a. Uh, she missed the line salt. Shrey hit a double underhook backbreaker. That was a pretty cool spot. Climbed the turnbuckles, went for the moonsault press. Gargano got in a ring to roll his wife out of the way. Gargano talking trash to Io Shrey as Priest went, came up from behind, gave him the bell clap. Priest hit a cyclone kick on a Gargano. Shrey followed with a moonsault on Gargano. Lorraine came in the ring, gave Priest a low blow behind the referee's back. Gargano caught Priest with a slingshot DDT for the one, two, three. Immediately after the match, Lorraine gave Shrey a backbreaker, and the married couple stood over the two NXT champions and held the belts over their head as the show came to a close. 
I thought a solid match made me look forward to that match on Sunday. Takeover is going to be awesome. Yeah. If there was any doubt, Takeover was going to be awesome. I, if you don't think Takeover is going to be awesome, you should just not watch. Hey, not watch. Don't watch this show, and don't watch. Um, take over on Sunday because that show is going to be fantastic. But I thought a job well done. I thought a good NXT. I thought the main event was good. There was, I liked what they did with Kushida. I loved that you're building him up as a monster. I really liked, I liked, as much as I hate Austin Theory, I liked the Adam Cole Austin Theory match. I thought that was a good showcase for Austin Theory. If you're going to have him there, yeah, I don't want him there, but I thought he more than held his own. Um, I like teasing something with Cole and O'Reilly. I thought that was makes you give makes you think there maybe O'Reilly gets it done on Sunday. Maybe I'm not saying he is going to get it done, but it leaves that door open of a Kyle O'Reilly win. Tease some more dissension with Adam Cole. And it's good stuff. I thought Dynamite was better. It's just. I just think Dynamite to me was better paced. Yeah, they had two worst matches on the show, but I thought all their other stuff was really exceptionally well. And beyond Balor and O'Reilly in the main event, there was nothing that was like, and what they did with Kushida, there was nothing like, man, what a blowaway match. What a blowaway segment. It was just beyond. The stuff that was supposed to be great that knew we knew would be great. Nothing else really stood out to me this week. It was just kind of like I thought going with the two shows, I thought AEW had the better show this week. I mean, it was to me it was a lot closer than than it sounds, just because it was it wasn't like it was a NXT was a bad show. Like they had good moments. But, and I know you mentioned they had good moments and everything, the Balor segment, the Balor O'Reilly segment and everything. But AEW just produces more quality content more frequently. That's why it makes you want to watch more. When you have FTR versus SCU, which is a pay-per-view caliber match on free TV for the titles, that draws. And that's a match that you know it's going to deliver. When you have Cody delivering the promo that he did on Brody Lee, making it a big enough deal that you want to have that match next week. When you have it's, they have more quality. Jericho putting guys over. Jericho being there every week, put trying to put talent over. Orange Cassidy doing this thing. When you have Darby Allen and um, and Ricky Starks opening up the mat the the show. Hard-hitting action right off the bat. Two future superstars opening up the match. That's why they provide a better show on a more consistent basis. And I'm not saying I'm all AEW because, if anything, I'm more of an NXT guy. Been there since I think it was like take the takeover where the first War Games, I've been all NXT. And the thing is, as a non-biased my journalistic, non-biased opinion, AEW puts out the better content consistently. Why? Because it's not overproduced. It's simple to the point. And that's the biggest thing here. Now, 
the biggest thing I wish for is that NXT or AEW, I don't care who, move to a different night. Let the fans enjoy both shows as opposed to having choose one or the other. Give wrestling fans what they want. But that's just my opinion. If you, and I don't know if you listen, fully listen to Paul Levesque. I even listen to all the media call today. Because I agree with you. I wish they were both on separate nights. It would be easier for us. But I just think that, man, it's just rough for two shows in one night. And, you know, I just, hopefully they do do that down the line. I know USA wants it very, very bad. I just don't, I haven't seen anything yet to where Triple H is like, hey, why do we have to move? I don't think he moved. Kind of gave like that mentality today during the media call when he was asked that question by Dave Meltzer. And that was kind of, it was kind of his response. But I'm going to listen to that audio tomorrow and kind of see what I can get out of it. But I didn't have time today. So, but no, that was kind of his gist of like bringing up what you said of, oh, why should I have to move to Tuesdays? Well, because your ratings would be better. I think yep. <laughs> I would rather move. I would rather move have them move because their ratings will be better. Yeah, I know that's not their mentality because it would be conceding defeat. And I, I actually love that bulldog mentality. I think that's what makes Vince Vince. That's a great trait to have. But right now, when you're getting your ass handed, because like if you look at on paper what these shows were tonight, AEW should win the night and win the night quite handedly. I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope it's close. I just don't think it's going to be. I think we're going to see a totally different. I think we're going to see a wipeout tomorrow in terms of ratings. I really, really do. Like you said, AEW. Go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt you. No, I'm done. I'm done, Trump. You you wanted to ask me a question after the Adam Cole theory recap. Oh, do you think Cole's gonna turn on O'Reilly? Not yet. I think this is gonna be a slow burn, and I hope it is because this is something that you can take for a while. That can lead to an undisputed era four-way. But an undisputed four-way needs the big belt. And I don't think it's time for Balor to lose the belt. I like it. I love your thinking. Well, you're a smart man. That's why you're on this podcast. They should hire more. They need smart people. All right, let's. And the talking points with this. I didn't even know about this. I was getting ready to leave to go get my COVID test. And this caught my attention. And I wrote about it very quickly. And on at the fraud zone. And according to Dana White in an interview he did with Barstool Sports, 
Because Tough 29, the Ultimate Fighter is going to be coming back. And it was supposed to be at the end of the year. According to Dana White, if Dana White is to be believed, the coaches were set to be Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now, Dana White told Barstool Sports that it was going to happen. It appeared everything was locked in until Khabib saw what what McGregor did on Friday in releasing the messages with Dana White, with White nixing fight plans with McGregor wanting to fight in May, wanting to fight Diego Sanchez in Dublin, just wanting him – Wanting to fight Justin Gaethje, but didn't want to fight Justin. Didn't want to wait all the way till International Fight Week. Not wanting to be a backup. And Ferguson, Tony Ferguson, when they were set to meet at UFC 249 before COVID-19 rocked the universe. Allegedly, Khabib was all mad, undone, and told Dana White, fuck that guy, I'm not doing it. White says they were close. I'll start here. Because I don't believe Dana White for shit and nothing in this manner. Because I think Dana White's very salty. And his comments have been have led to this indication from me. He's very salty that Conor McGregor released those conversations. Because I put Dana White in a very bad light. Even though I don't agree, Daryl, with what Conor McGregor did, I do agree with Dana in the fact that it was wrong. That shouldn't have been done. But I think McGregor was fed up to the point of stop the lying about him and Pacquiao not talking. Those talks are going. Whether we like them or not, those talks are ongoing. I think he's upset because I think he's – Tired of the bullshit. He's tired of Dana White line. Dana White should just tell the truth. And kind of what Conor McGregor shouldn't have done when he did either. Because I thought what Conor did, I thought that was I thought that was high school nonsense and he really didn't need to do. You keep conversations like that behind closed doors. Speak the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What do you make of this alleged saga? That led to allegedly Khabib Nurmagomedov turning down the Ultimate Fighters. We've seen Khabib's manager tell Ali Abdelaziz, telling TMZ Nurmagomedov turned it down. Didn't really elaborate on it. But what do you make of Khabib allegedly turning down a spot on the Ultimate Fighter opposite his biggest rival, Conor McGregor? I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. Khabib and Connor could be one of the most heated rivalries since, like, I can't even think of ever. Yeah. Because I was thinking maybe Jones, Sonnen, but that wasn't that to the point where Connor went into a bus and went on a rampage. This yeah. is this is something – it doesn't surprise me just because Khabib – why would Khabib want to work with this with Connor? Like, sure, it'll draw – He'll make money, but at the end of the day, you still got to work with Connor. And he doesn't want to give Connor the light of day. He made that clear with the fight negotiations and everything when they offered, hey, Connor, too. He's like, nah, don't, no, hell no. 
Khabib doesn't want anything to do with Conor McGregor. And you know what? I don't blame him. He proved this point. He submitted him. He has nothing left to prove. Unless Conor comes out, wins three fights decisively. If I'm Khabib, I'm not touching that name. That name rings fire. There's a lot of stuff that can happen with that name. Not touch him. This rematch is going to happen whether Khabib never got made off like it or not. Oh, there's too much money on the table for it. Khabib can say... And I can then... Like, I'll give Khabib credit. He's remained steadfast of, like, he feels... He feels that McGregor doesn't deserve the opportunity. I can, I can, I can see where Khabib's like, no, the animosity's too deep. McGregor crossed the line. Comments he made about my family. I can get that. I can't. And, you know, and I commend Khabib in the fact that, you know, he felt like it did get personal in the lead up because it was, it was very contentious. I remember being in Brooklyn for that press. I took a one day trip. I hate, you know how much I hate making day trips. I don't make them anymore. Even before the pandemic, I wasn't really doing those anymore. I had never seen nothing like that. You could cut the tension with a knife. You can just tell something bad was about to happen. Luckily, nothing really did. But this is going to happen. It don't matter. And I know Khabib's like, it doesn't matter what, what they offer me. When it comes to your family... And setting your family up. And I know Khabib's made a good amount of money. But when it comes down to it, Daryl, money does talk. It does in any line of work. We all have morals. Yes, we do. And I honestly believe that we all have morals. We all have standards. But I know, like in my line of work, I'm in the media. You're definitely on your way there and you're going to get there comes down to dollars and cents. It does. And if I know it does for me, I do have loyalty. And But the money's always got to be right because I got to look out for my family. Yeah. But in this matter, the money's going to be too much. This fight will happen. Maybe they don't coach tough, which I think would have been, oh, my God, that would have made for great TV. Must watch TV. You would, you would have needed the National Guard there. <laughs> you would have. Dana would have had a place to call those good buddy, good old Trump, and been like, DT, I need the National Guard. Bring them in. This is going to get back crazy. Now, what are the? Do you think we eventually see Nurmagomedov and McGregor too? Because yeah. I think we do. Definitely, 
There's too much money on the table. Like, Khabib could not want to work less with them. But at the same time, you hit the nail right in the head. There's too much money on the table. Money talks. This is a game-changing fight. McGregor has always been the money fight. Anybody that fights McGregor, guess what? You're getting paid. Congrats. There is too much money to be made here for Khabib to say no. Money talks, whether McGregor deserves it or not. At this point, you make that money. You fight him. Set your family up. Set your grandkids up. Because that amount of money can set your grandkids up. And go from there. Now, let's, we'll end. I, I said I, we, that was the last topic. This is the last topic, I promise, before we answer questions and comments. Oh, I just hit it here. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Oh, come on. Sorry about there that, guys. There we go. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier 2 in the works. Is it? Yes, it is. As aforementioned, Dana White did say on Barstool Bar, to Barstool Sports in a podcast he did that he has offered Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. They've he's made an offer. I have it in my notes here. Give me one second. I do apologize. I thought I can blurt it out correctly without looking at my notes. A contract has been sent to Conor McGregor. UFC sources confirmed to ESPN. I talked to someone in McGregor's camp. That is true. A contract right now has not received a contract. I messaged Poirier on Twitter. He told me that he hasn't received anything yet. About would take place on November, to, not November, on January the 23rd. McGregor's team, the sources I've talked to, and the source inside McGregor's camp, have made it clear their desire to face Manny Pacquiao and have a charity match with Poirier instead of the bout on January the 23rd. Now, the running plan all along had been for Conor McGregor to face the winner of Justin Gaethje and Khabib Nurmagomedov. That will take place uh, at UFC 254 on Saturday, October the 23rd, Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. It seems like, and I don't know this to be sure, but to me the reason the UFC did this is because McGregor proposed to do a charity match. Just toss it up on social media to do a charity match with the Gaethje for December 12th out in Ireland. Poirier accepted right away, and I know they have been talking. I try to put it on through McGregor's management team and have it on pay-per-view. That's the only reason the UFC did this here is to try to make it official on their end, which I, I think it's a smart move. But it has been offered to McGregor. McGregor's ring remains steadfast and wanting Manny Pacquiao. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. I do know January is 
I have discussed just because Manny Pacquiao, one of his times when he's in recess, his senatorial duties in the Philippines, January is one of the months. January is one of the months and also May and July. And they're in a long recess, like from, I think it's like about an eight week recess from May through like near the end of July. So in that essence, I can see in January too, Pacquiao has some time off just due to the holidays, the Christmas and New Year's and everything like that. He's got about like a six, seven week window where he can't compete from like right around Christmas until the end of January. And January the 16th is a date I have heard for Pacquiao and McGregor. I can see what the UFC is trying to do. They don't want McGregor to do. And I get it. The UFC is involved in these talks with Pacquiao. I know McGregor's team hasn't given a formal no to the UFC in terms of this fight. I know Poirier's been an opponent McGregor has been interested in to run it back because they fought a featherweight and you and the bot would obviously be at 155 pounds. I know it's a fight that's intrigued McGregor just because of what Poirier's done and the run he's been on since going back up to lightweight and Dustin's had a very good run. And I can see why McGregor would want to face him. But the UFC's plan has always been McGregor the face, the winner of Gaethje and Khabib. But I wouldn't mind. I sure as heck wouldn't mind Daryl Rivera. If I want to see Conor McGregor back in the octagon, I think before facing the winner of Khabib and Gaethje, I don't think Dustin. I think Dustin Poirier is a damn good option, and it's a damn fun fight. Yep. I say let's get it on. Let's get this made, and you can go box Pacquiao next year. That fight will always be there. I feel for Conor McGregor. Do your shit in the octagon. And if you want to go back and dabble in some boxing, go ahead. Take some MMA fights. Go win as the UFC lightweight champion. Then you go box Manny Pacquiao. That is my, what I think Conor McGregor should do. But that's just me. I agree with you because that's the way he'll make the most money. It's a marketing, boxing is a marketing thing. You want to market yourself to draw viewers. When you say UFC, UFC's Conor McGregor versus Manny Pacquiao. That's one thing. When you say UFC lightweight heavyweight or a lightweight champion, Conor McGregor versus Manny Pacquiao, guess what? That draws more interest. It sounds more legit. It brought it brings more casual viewers to the product. And that's what you want. Plus, McGregor has a lot to prove in the octagon. He still has to prove whether or not he still got it. Sure, you beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone and if I'm not less than a minute, but 40 seconds, 40 seconds, you be, you be Cerrone in 40 seconds, which is a good feat. It's an impressive feat, but at the same time, Cowboy hasn't been a ranked fighter or hasn't been a top fighter in a while. You got to prove yourself to get that rematch with Khabib to get that title shot with Gaethje, the winner of that fight. There's no better opponent for McGregor right now than Poirier. And you mentioned it before, and I'm agreeing with you, which I hate doing, but it is what it is because you got to you bring up a great point. McGregor-Poirier is a match that people want to see. It's a fight that people want to see Absolutely. because 
run it back from fat. You fought at featherweight, McGregor won. Poirier went to lightweight. He's been a different animal, more impressive. He's one of the few guys that gave Khabib a fight. You want to test to get there? Beat Poirier? Then you can get Khabib too. Now, I want to make it clear. This fight was not in the UFC's plans whatsoever. They had no intention of making this fight. They really didn't. And I'll make that perfectly clear. It is a clear and direct response to them discussing meaning Connor and Dustin about a charity fight. So I think the fight happens. I, as much as we wish and we wanted to, I don't think it will. I know Connor remains very steadfast in wanting to face Manny Pacquiao. I know he is. But I do feel, though, if, if you're going to jump, you can't jump right into Gaethje or Khabib without taking one more fight. And he's smart enough to know that. He, in terms of mapping his career, he's pretty sharp in that adage. I do think he fights before Khabib and Justin. I mean, he'll he'll face the winner if he gets by. If you do Poirier, I think that's the right move. Get a fight under you. Because I think he beats Dustin. I really think he does. I don't think the result changes. But it is a bigger fight than what it was. God, it took place in four. It's a bigger fight than what it was six years ago. Each guy is completely different in their own right. Each guy is better than what they were back then. If there is a fight to make for Connor to really see if he's back, I think Dustin Poirier is the fight. And I think if Connor McGregor turns to the octagon, it should be on January 23rd against Dustin Poirier. All right, let's get in. Let's rattle off some of the. Let's get some of these questions and comments here. We'll rattle these off. Let's start with Matt Ward. Matt Ward, thank you for leaving a comment. It is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. AEW needs to crown Britt as the next women's champion. We already discussed that, and you are not wrong. All right, Matt follows up with FTR versus the North. Does something impact and Tony Khan need to work on? Sounds like a money match. Ding, ding. And I brought this up on Monday of companies needing more to work together. And I specifically brought up Impact and AEW. Could you still these two entities working together? You've seen AEW's worked with the NWA. And that partnership seems to be going pretty well. Could should AEW do some work with Impact as well? Because then we can get matches like what Matt brought up here, and you seem to be salivating over as well with FTR against the North. I mean, we could if, every, if all egos get put aside because companies tend to be ego-driven for the most part. But there's a difference with AEW. It feels different. They've already worked with, with uh, NWA. They seem to be, you know, talking with Impact about possibly working in the future. It's something that fans want to see just because there's 
the possibilities are endless. Now, the company that I do want to see AEW work with, and they share several talent, and if they do, they would make a boatload. Not even a boatload. They would make a shit ton of money. It's New Japan Pro Wrestling. You bring New Japan Pro Wrestling, that style, to AEW. And most of these guys had, Jericho had, I don't know if he still does, but had a contract with New Japan where he can go back and forth. Moxley had a contract like that. Omega. Yeah. Yeah. You have talent that already works over there. Bridge the gap. Bring in some talent from New Japan. Because you imagine bringing in an Okada for like an all-out. Okada Moxley. For the AEW world title. Please and thank you. Take my money. You want to, buy, you want to talk about something that's. You want, to, no, you want to talk about something that's worth 74 bucks. AEW versus New Japan Pro Wrestling. And yes. I'm taking a dig at that boxing show from Saturday. And before you keep going. I do not know the buyer yet. I have okay. asked. I'm waiting to hear some final concrete numbers before I try to work even a preliminary number. And I don't feel very, it's very shaky. And I've asked for a comment from Showtime and Showtime has not commented, which I normally take that as the number is not very good. That's what that usually means in pay-per-view talk, but I'm going to give them the benefit of doubt and going to do a little more digging. And I should have a number Hopefully by Friday, there should be some type of number. Hopefully when we do SmackDown, the SmackDown recap show on Friday, that we will have a final number for you guys. I hope it's good. For boxing's sake, I hope it's good. Uh, I'm not getting my hopes up, though. And, yes, I wouldn't. I would spend. It depends on what the matches are. Do Do, like, Okada, Omega, Moxley, and Suzuki. The Young Bucks against FTR and Omega and Page. You can Cody give me those three, man. Cody versus Tanahashi. Or even Cody and Naito. But Cody and Tanahashi, if we're talking about selling a lot of – making a lot of money, yeah. You give me those four matches, Daryl, I'll spend 75 Absolutely. Matt Ward, Jesse the Body Ventura said it best. You're only cheating if you get caught. Absolutely. God, I missed that. Heel commuters. This is a good comment here from Matt Ward. This gets me giddy. This is funny. Not giddy, but funny. Private party is a Miller Lite version of the street. <laughs> that is the, one of the best comments we've had in a long time. That was snarky as hell. And I'm all for it. We need to find it's a not way. We need to find a way to get this, like get the comment, the best comments, and just print them out, put them on a wall or something. Because <laughs> this this would go up there. That's a top five all time comment that we have gotten. This that is great, Matt Ward. You win, ding, freaking ding, not wrong. Oh, I do have a private party story. Really quickly. Not private party. Uh, 
Street Profits. So I'm getting my oldest to bed tonight. Like he went into bed, then he got up and said, Oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. So when he does that, I normally like to, to tuck him in tuck him back in the bed. So he does that. I go back up, I tuck him back in, and we're sitting there talking for a minute. And I'm getting to walk out and he goes, he goes, Daddy. I'm like, what's up, bud? And he's like, We want the smoke. And Lynn heard it. She's like, what did he say? And he goes, mommy, me and daddy, we want the smoke. My wife was like, what the heck? And I'm like, so I explained it to him. He watched a segment of, um, he watched uh, Clash of Champions. And when they said it, he he was watching it. We watched it on Monday. And he and they said it when they were walking to the ring. And I'm he goes, he goes, we want the smoke. I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, me and you, Daddy, we want the smoke. <laughs> That's our new thing. I love it. Lynn just looked at me like, you're turning my child. I'm like, you're damn right. I'm turning him into the white meat baby face that he should be. He's already on his way there, but I thought that was a little. When I got my four-year-old saying, we want to smoke, and I didn't provoke him to say it either. Matt Ward, Ricky Starks won me over when he was an NWA as the national champion. Now, Ricky Starks needs, and I was saying this, Daryl, before you came on with the Ricky Starks Darby Yellow match. Ricky Starks, man, he's got it. He can talk on the mic. He's great in the ring. I hope he starts getting some big wins. This guy, needs, he's been in great matches. I just want to see him now getting the ne- that next level. I think Ricky Starks is that good. I just want him to start getting some wins so people can start ta- viewing him as a viable, incredible contender because I think he can be that talent. I definitely agree, just because he, he's proven, especially this, like a match with Darby Allen, like, it showed how how good he can be as a heel. Like, he can carry himself as a heel. Like, sure, he has a partnership with Brian Cage on and everything like that, but he has it. He has the charisma. He has the looks. He has the, the in-ring ability, and he has some mic skills. The guy is... Just strap a rocket to his ass and let him fly. Just shoot him. Shoot him to the top. Let him fly. Oh, let him fly. <laughs> I'm in that mood today, man. I'm in a singing mood. All right. Matt Ward. Commercial break should have been before the match begins. Preach to the choir. Yes, sir. I want MJF to build his dynasty faction like he did in MLW. Talking about MLW, I will don't forget my article with the great filthy Tom Baller. Will the plan is for that article to be up tomorrow? It's a great chat. The audio of that will be released at the beginning of next week as we talk about some great shit. That's something oh I'm looking God, forward to. I want to. that to be in all its glory. Oh my God. Tom Waller was a guy like I always wanted to talk to just because I've always heard him to be a great interview. And 
good lord. He was fantastic. I'll just say the interview, the interview was so great. We started talking about garbage wrestling and Bob Sapp. It just went <laughs> off the rails on a group. It was phenomenal. Oh my god. The interview was only scheduled for 20 minutes. Like we had an agreement with MLW. I was like, hey, I'm like. And then, like, I, we went on, I'm like, is 2025 good? And we just kept rolling. You know when the interview's good, when it's rolling, and the subject is so engaged, he doesn't want to let go. And I'm like, we're going to keep going. And then we were off. I'm like, man, I am so sorry. He's like, he's like this. we were texting. He's like, this was great. He's like, <laughs> I got to talk Japanese wrestling. I got to talk Bob Sapp. And I got to talk garbage wrestling. He's like, sign me up anytime. Trying to do a podcast with him. We've came up with, we had a concept we came up with that I thought was kind of talk about like the worst, the worst of matches in pro wrestling history. Kind of like a botchamania type of, kind of like kind of going off of that. He kind of brought it up and I was like, that's not like a half bad idea. But I no, mean, I can give you one right now. <laughs> that happened on this day in 2013. Oh, Save it. I think. Save it. I'll save it. We will bring it. We will bring it up. Bo Dallas, a fun house style gimmick, led him to join you. I wish they would put them together. Him and Bray. I just think they would be fun. He should have been in the Wyatt family. Another opportunity. Another opportunity. Or what if it's Jordan Devlin and he attacks the winner of the Cruiserweight title match? I hope not. Matt Ward, that's some good thinking there. A, I hope we don't see Jordan Devlin ever again. Another pedophile they kept but in the UK. <sighs> I can't talk any further. I'm going to get more riled up and get myself a heart attack. Dave Sadler, the Jews. Dave Sadler, thank you for the comment. What's up, gents? What's up, Juice? Dave Sadler didn't see any of the show this week, but Warrior Wrestling was great yet against him. Warrior Wrestling, man. They just rolled out every Saturday in the month of September, rolled out shows, stadium shows at Marion Catholic High School. I am behind on that, so I can't tell you. I haven't watched their last two shows. have them saved. Because the great people at Fight TV gave me some free stuff, and I have those shows saved and ready to watch. And I just got to have time. And it's the one thing I haven't had lately. So hopefully I will have time to watch those fairly soon. I wanted to go to their last, their latest one, but I was in Tennessee, the one that happened last Saturday. I think that was Blanchard versus Kylie Ray. That was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. I need to go to more. I forget the main. When this pandemic gets off to the wayside, we'll go hit the indie circuit. I promise. And with this question, we'll do it on this day, and then we. Well, this will be the last question. Matt Ward is Kyle O'Reilly getting the Evolution style breakup from the Undisputed Era? We answered this earlier. I agree with you, Daryl. I think it's going to be a slow build, and it will lead. Point. I agree with you on that, but. We have, 
me and Daryl thoroughly enjoyed when the last time me and Daryl were on last week, and we kind of just started yakking nonsense. I hate saying that we're not. I hate the wrong button. Not yakking nonsense, but we were. Me and Daryl were having some fun, and it led uh, it led to some good banter. It also led to some really good conversations we had off air. And one of the things we're going to do now is close the show with a segment called On This Day to where Daryl will bring up a, uh, a not even a key moment, but an interesting point that happened on this day in professional wrestling, whether it was wrestling, MMA, or boxing. And we are going to debut right now. So, Daryl Rivera, what happened is, as I once again, man, I am the worst producer. Man, Byron Saxon couldn't produce, and I'm doing a bad job today. Daryl Rivera, what happened on this day, September the 30th? September the 30th. And I'm, I was debating whether or not to, you know, grab the most notable ones or just grab whatever I can find. And I ended up doing a little bit of both just because I wanted to see, there were a couple of Monday night Ross that happened on this day. There were a couple of pay-per-view matches and stuff like that. And I ended up, you know, just wanted to see last year, 2019, September 30th, Monday night raw main evented by a universal title match between Seth Rollins and the man now known as Miro, formerly known as Rusev. This match went to a no contest because WWE. Of course it did. But also in the match, AJ Styles defended the Intercont or the United States title against Cedric Alexander, which was actually really good. And then Ricochet versus Cesaro when Ricochet came first came up, which was also very good. Just wanted to, you know, especially because now Rusev is now an AEW. I thought that would be a good one. This one for sure, fantastic event. If you don't have New Japan World, get it so you can watch this one. 2018, New Japan Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Main evented by Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, the Golden Lovers. Defeating that match was phenomenal. phenomenal. You can say it. Go ahead. Yeah, defeating Katsuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii in 23 minutes. I remember that match. I knew exactly where you were going when you said Fighting Spirit Unleashed. That match was phenomenal. If you Watch don't it. have New Japan World, get it. Watch this pay-per-view because it was amazing. Watch anything in the last five years from New Japan. It's been nonstop great wrestling. Man, I have not watched none of the G1. None at all. Neither have I, and I'm so excited about it. Very, very disappointed in myself. And the way they're doing the shows because of COVID, they're they're doing one undercard match, and then they're doing just – the A block or B block matches, whatever day block matches are. Okay. I'm so mad at myself. But it's one of those where I may binge watch. I'm like, I got so many 
subscriptions right now. I hated doing another like a transcription service one today. That's like I got ESPN Plus. I got a bunch of different ones. I don't want to reveal them all, but kind of yeah, I mean, and the wife is a little unhappy. She's like, well, everything is a nine ninety nine, and I'll need subscription. Ten ninety nine, eleven ninety nine. Like, well, I told you. You know what I told her, honey? I'm making that the zone money. I haven't said that in a while, so that's all I get to say. What anything Dollar else? Dollar Bill Twenty sixteen, Ring of Honor, New Japan, All Star Extravaganza. The main event, a ladder war, triple threat tag team match. Between the Young Bucks defeating SCU, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kassarian, and the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Wow, 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 wow. It's fantastic. I'm about to have it It was awesome oh, stuff. Good and Lord. then just, I remember. Just because, good. No, I just remember the match. It was freaking fantastic. Subscribe to Honor Club if you want to see that match. Go to Honor Club. That match was amazing. I'll plug Ring of Honor because that match was fantastic. Ring of Honor always pulls up great, great shit. Always. I don't think I've seen because I started watching them again, and I don't think I've seen a bad one yet. No, they're doing. They're pure tournament right now. They did like all the tape. They taped through, I think, to the winner of the pure title. I think that's going, they're airing it in like one hour blocks on Honor Club and through their syndicated television through Sinclair. So, but now if you guys don't be sleeping on Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor is back and they've done the best, the best testing for COVID 19. So, definitely give Ring of Honor your time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and with everything good, you got to throw in a bad, because of course, 2013, Dude, I'm sorry, I have to, Monday Night Raw, 2013, the main event, 2013, you know it's bad, formerly known as Antonio Cesaro, lost clean to Santino Morello <laughs> in the main event. That was the main event of the show? What? (laughs) No, that was not the main event of the show. It was probably some segment, but that was the final match, which I consider the main event. That was the final match, and I'm like, I'm I'm now sad for 2013. And what awaits me, because I'm still not even close to that, but I'm going to watch every show from 2013. I'm not looking forward to it. The blocks between 2010 and 2013, I'm already dreading it, and I'm nowhere near it. Don't. I might just skip it. I might just skip it. I might just, you know what? Didn't happen. Did not happen. That's a dark time wrestling. Yeah, when 2013 (laughs) Cesaro was losing uh, Santino Morello. Any other on this day's? For September um, the 30th. September the 30th, just one more. 2002 Monday Night Raw, Kane defeating Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental title. 
And then just birthdays, Adam Pac-Man Jones. Birthdays today. Former TNA wrestler. Former who could have been so great if you'd have just kept his ass out of trouble. But he couldn't. Another caution. And Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes as well. Mentioned it earlier. But happy birthday to how old is a, a How old is a Cameron Grimes today? He is 27. A uh, happy 27th birthday. He's older than you. Everyone's older than you. Well, yeah, I'm 24. <laughs> no. How old do you think I am? You look like you... you Look like you can pass for like 18, 19 years old, man. If I shaved this, then yeah, but not. You sure Kayla's not robbing the cradle? No. <laughs> you know you want to laugh because they had that look in your eye like you wanted to laugh. And no, but we will. <laughs> On that note, if you find me that, let me save you the trouble. Kayla did it. <laughs> we will definitely will end with that. Thank you for everyone who has watched, left comments, and everything under the sun. Thank you so much. If you're watching via via YouTube, you can watch. Subscribe to the Walkway to Fight Club. If you're not on it right now, just go to YouTube, go in the search bar, tap the Walkway to Fight Club, subscribe to the channel. Go to this video and give us the old thumbs up. Watching, If you watch via Facebook Live, it's simple. Give a reaction to how you feel about the video, good, bad, or indifferent, and then proceed to like and follow the Walkway to Fight Club on Facebook or just go to the search tab, type in the Walkway to Fight Club, boom, you're there. Like, follow, reaction to the video, and then you are done. You can also, this will be available for audio. I'm trying to decide... Probably early tomorrow morning because I am extremely tired and I got to be up really, 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 really early tomorrow to get some tests on. So I'm going to try to get this up tonight. If not, then it will be up early afternoon tomorrow. And I do apologize for the late time, but that's how unfortunately it has to be for that, uh, this episode. The podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Oh, we're back on Stitcher. Getting a lot of. We're going to talk about that. It seems like we're going to be going on Stitcher. And I'll tell you why. But we're getting a ton of people of different places around the world that I, Nepal, Slovenia, South Korea, Germany, the UK, India, Canada. We are pretty popular right now. It's, this, is things, this is tracking worldwide, my friend. And I'm very honored for everyone that's been watching all over the world. It means a lot. Thank you so much. You can find us on Twitter at Walkway Fight. Daryl, where can they find us? Because you run this account. Where can they find us on the old Instagram? Old Instagram is the Walkway to Fight Club, all lower caps. Um, starting pretty soon, I'm going to start just posting as much stuff, whether it's results from wrestling show, MMA card, UFC card, Bellator, whatever the case is. I'm going to try to post as much content as possible, as much breaking news, um, you know, fight announcements, whatever I can post on there. On this day, we'll be on there as well. Everything as long as you're on. not posting about, as long as you're not posting about Cesaro losing the Santino Marella, we're good to go. Uh, that, that was going to be, problem. that was going to be the first picture put on there. On this day, 
and Santino just heading to Cobra on Cesaro. I was this close, this close. We want this to be a happy channel. <laughs> I want you don't need come on, Daryl. Don't do that to the people. Daryl, how can the fans find you on your social media accounts? Uh Twitter right here, DY what equal 21. Uh just I retweet a lot, so yeah. And if you ever I do retweet this. If you ever reply to me on Twitter, I will reply back. So Twitter fingers will be going. And on Instagram, Daryl17 Rivera. That's pretty much it. Find me on Twitter at smealhausenjr, and you can find me on Instagram smealhausenmma. We will be back Friday night to recap Friday night SmackDown. I hit on this day again, so Daryl Daryl can come up with some awesome on this day stuff for Friday, and then we will be back on Sunday. I was debating maybe Saturday, but that UFC shows that UFC show doesn't start till late, so we will we'll go over key points from the UFC show on Sunday's edition as we will be recapping NXT TakeOver 31 headlined by Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT heavyweight title, Io Shirai Canis Lurie for the women's title, and Damian Priest defending the North American title against Johnny Gargano. Velveteen Dream will be taking on Kushida. I think I forget there's one more match on the show. I forget what it is, but a pretty good NXT takeover. I'm looking forward to that show on Sunday. So we'll be back then as well. And then we'll be back for our usual shenanigans, recapping Monday Night Raw. And then next week, definitely we'll be an interview up with the one and only MLW wrestling star, Tom Waller. We'll talk about, we talk about MLW on the zone, talk about his UFC run, his new MMA venture that he, a new company he is going to be a part of in 2021 garbage wrestling and yes somehow we talk about bob sap a very fun interview that will be up in its entirety next week and an article will be up with tom coming up tomorrow on the zone so look check for that as well for the handsomest man in the room dy dale rivera i am steven muhausen we will see you guys friday night 